let's shift into wellness. Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Amber Patchla, health coach, essential oils educator, wellness advocate, and lover of life. In this podcast, we will touch on all things wellness and journey together to become our healthiest and strongest selves in body, mind, and spirit. Join me and my amazing guests every week as we discuss all things health and wellness and how you can take steps to be a happier and healthier version of you. I'm so happy you're here. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Shift Into Wellness. Thanks so much for being here again. I hope everybody is doing really well, that you are still enjoying the podcast, and that you are looking forward to winter, and everybody is um, healthy and happy and (laughs) feeling good. Today's episode is, I'm really excited about, it is about intuitive eating and uh, the anti-diet. Diet culture is, as we know, extremely prevalent in our society and um, has just exploded since social media has become um, as, as big as it has. And so a couple of months ago or a few months ago, um, I put out on, on my own social media account uh, asking people what they, what kind of topics that they would be interested in, um, in hearing about on the podcast. And one of them was, or a couple of them rather, um, asked for uh, an interview on intuitive eating. And it's a word that um, a couple, well, two words that <laughs> I've been reading a lot, a lot about um, in on my own journey, and it's been coming up a lot. So I thought, what a fantastic idea! And I found the perfect person to interview, and her name is Raquel. So Raquel Wallen is a body kind anti diet coach who is passionate about solving people's body shame and food guilt and helps them destroy the belief that their self-worth comes from their body. She comes from a background of disordered eating herself and has overcome the toxic habits and thoughts she once had, and now coaches others through doing the same. She educates her clients on intuitive eating principles, how to find movement they love, and dealing with negative self-talk. She likes to think of it as helping people come home to their bodies again. She is proud to say that she is one of the few BIPOC women existing in the health and fitness industry who also takes an anti-diet approach. Doesn't that sound great? Uh, We connected through social media. She's a beautiful person. She knows her shit. And I really hope um, you enjoy the episode. Hi, Raquel. Hello, Amber. Thank you for being on the podcast. I'm so excited for this episode. Yes, I'm so excited. Thank you for having me. My (laughs) pleasure. My pleasure. I think that the work you do is super important. And this is 
um, a topic that we haven't discussed on the podcast yet. So it should be a treat for everybody. Um, yes. To get going, Raquel, I just want you to tell everybody about yourself and, and give, give everybody some background um, on you and your personal journey and what led you to where you are today. Yeah, so I am an anti-diet coach, so I'm not like your typical fitness trainer or health coach even. Um, It's exactly as it sounds. I take an anti-diet approach to everything. So I help women just gain confidence, heal their relationship with food, their body and exercise all without dieting. It's a very intuitive approach. So I teach my clients how to intuitively eat and intuitively Mm. move their body. So that way, it's way more sustainable. You know, these diets that a lot of people go on, they try it, stick to it for a short amount of time, you know, and if they gain weight, you know, they get discouraged they fall off, they go back to their regular routines and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And you just kind of end up in this cycle of trying to diet and lose weight and change your body and try to improve your health and then failing and then having those negative emotions about, you know, yourself and you feel like you failed the diet when really it's the diet that's failed you. So (laughs) it's just a much more sustainable approach to health. And um, it really all started with me in my own journey. Um, I've been into fitness for about five or six years now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but on my journey to health and fitness and what I wanted, um, my why, like my reason for doing it kind of changed along the way. I started because, you know, I saw what my mom was going through, you know, she had a heart attack, she's like pre diabetic, she has mobility mm. issues and all of that stuff. And like, popping pills left, right and center. And I was like, I do not want that life for me. So I knew I had to go on this health journey. But then it quickly turned into like disordered eating habits, disordered exercise habits, because I wanted a six pack and I wanted to like, Mm. look like those bikini competitors out there. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I would like binge watch, you know, what I eat in a days and macro counting and calorie counting. And like, I just got way too obsessed with what I was eating, how I was moving my body to the point where Uh, One of my best friends, unfortunately, got into a car accident. And when she got back, she was like, hey, like, I need a friend there. And I was like, yeah, sure. No problem. After I go to the gym, though, (laughs) like it was, yeah, it was like taking that much of a precedent in my life that Mm. I wasn't working health and fitness with my life. I was Mm kind of like changing my life around completely to fit it in and it just became like a complete obsession like Mm. going over calories was a huge thing missing an exercise session was a huge thing ordering out oh my god ordering at a restaurant was was a whole (laughs) battle yeah I would have to look up the menu before I went um, to feel comfortable with whatever I got so yeah just became a total you know negative mental health spiral and that Mm. moment with my friend was really kind of like the changing point where I was like okay Raquel this is not this is not good this is not something sustainable that you can do so I stumbled upon a podcast and it 
talked about like fat allyship and um, intuitive eating and health at every size and and all of that stuff. And I kind of just went down a rabbit hole from there. <laughs> I like mm. dove into, you know, YouTube videos, articles, more podcasts and like just all of this research about intuitive eating and this whole new way of living life. And it just made so much sense to me. So I, I kind of pulled myself out of that disordered eating and exercise pattern that I had and mm. just kind of rebuilt myself. And like, obviously this didn't happen overnight. It was like a whole journey that I went through. Mm-hmm. You know, I wish I had somebody there helping me, but once I came out of that mindset, I was like, oh my gosh, like, I felt like I escaped the matrix or something. <laughs> it was just so like powerful and my, my mental health was just thriving. And I was like, oh my gosh, other people need to do, you know, and to feel this way that I do. So that's when I started my, uh, my anti-diet coaching. You know, I hated working for corporate. So I left that and pursued what I do now. And yeah, that's what I do. I now. love I it. <laughs> I love it. And it, it, it does seem that most times um, shifts in careers such as this, especially into coaching stem from a personal journey. Yeah. Right. The yeah. same goes for me, right? You can, you figure, you figure it out and you just want to help people do the same and help them understand that they can do it. Right. Yeah. A hundred percent. Okay, so you sort of touched on this, but let's get a little bit into diet culture. So like, what is, how would you define diet culture and why is it important to recognize the potential, I say dangers, the potential dangers of it? Yeah, it could definitely become dangerous if you let it, you know, Mm. take you there. Uh, Mm. Like it did for me, you know, I kind of just fell into this rabbit hole of diet culture, but diet culture is really just this belief and this just like this pull to just just this way of thinking that you need to be thin at all costs mm. <laughs> like no matter what it's the pursuit of thinness thinness is morally superior to you know somebody in in a larger body um it's literally like going out of your way to change your body in any shape or form. Mm. So it's it's anything from those traditional diets that you see out there, like keto, intermittent fasting, paleo, all of that stuff. Um, But it also is those like weight loss shakes and detox pills and sweat belts and waist trainers and those personal trainers that you pay for that like make you feel like crap it's, it's all of that stuff encompassed into one and the influence really runs deep. You know, as young as three or four years old, we start to recognize our bodies and comparing our bodies to other people. Our parents are a huge first influence to us as well. Um, if your parents always talked about dieting and changing their body and all of this stuff. And unfortunately, it's just become the norm in society. Like it's normal to be on a diet. It's normal to pursue weight loss it's normal Mm -hmm. to to do all of these things but for a lot of people out there dieting takes a negative toll on someone's mental health like don't get me wrong there are people out there who can look at calories and look at numbers and look at all of these things and just view it kind of objectively as data 
Mm-hmm. But for some people out there, like this was me, like I viewed all of that stuff and it quickly became an obsession, a negative obsession mm-hmm. uh, to the point where it was, you know, affecting all these different areas of my life. Um, so yeah, it's just, I'm so anti-diet culture. And that's why I call myself an anti-diet coach because, you know, I just stand against uh, everything dieting, especially if it's taking a toll on your mental health. But yeah, that's basically what that is. Okay. No, yeah. yeah. And that, and that makes really good sense. And I'm going to, I'm going to forward here a little bit um, because I think that's a great segue into intuitive (laughs) eating. Like let's, so tell me about intuitive eating. I, I, I see it's a bit of a buzzword right now, which I think is, is wonderful (laughs) um, because it's something I hadn't really heard of until maybe within the past year. Um, tell us like, what is intuitive meeting, uh, intuitive eating and how can people approach it? Yeah. So a lot of people, if you've been dieting for a while, they're kind of like, okay, well, if I'm not on a diet, then how do I eat? And that's (laughs) where intuitive eating, uh, comes along. And it's actually not a new concept. It was created in 1995 by these two registered dietitians. Um, and they made a book and they regularly update their book. It's Mm. literally called intuitive eating. If you guys want to go check it out. Um, that was really like the cornerstone of my intuitive eating, uh, journey there, but it's basically a framework of eating. So it's not a diet. It's not rules or guidelines on how to eat it is a framework on how to get back in touch with your body uh, and what it's telling you because if you look at babies you know they're so in touch with what they want like when they're hungry they cry when they're full they stop eating and it's very much intuitive Mm. um and that's that's where you know the basis of it comes from but Mm. as we grow older and we think we need to change our body and we go on diets and we ignore what our body is telling us, you know, cause that's what dieting does. If we're hungry, ignore it, especially with intermittent fasting, right? Like yes. if you're outside of your eating window, but you're still hungry, you kind of force yourself to push that feeling down because it's not inside of your eating window. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that is very counterintuitive. So intuitive eating is all about just rejecting dieting completely and just really tuning into your body. I mean, I'm making it sound really simple, <laughs> but <laughs> it is something that takes time, especially if you've been dieting for a while. But it's really all about honoring your hunger, recognizing, you know, your hunger cues that your body gives you because you know when you're hungry it's not just like the stomach growling that signals you that you're hungry it could Mm. be a headache it could be a mood swing it could be fatigue it could be low energy you know when you're hangry (laughs) all of these these things are signals that our body gives us to let us know hey we need food and that's where I feel like dieting has failed because they give us this like perfect little plan in this perfect little box and if you just stick with this then you'll be fine but it fails a lot of the time because our bodies are so much smarter than that I truly believe Mm. our bodies are these divine things you know that defy the laws of anything man-made but we're trying to force this like man-made plan onto our bodies and our bodies are like what the heck are we doing we are just trying to live (laughs) we need fuel 
you know, because our body, 70% of how our body uses fuel is just to go into keeping it functioning, like keeping mm-hmm. our digestion going, re- like rejuvenating uh, ourselves and mm-hmm. uh, keeping our heart beating, keeping our lungs going, all of that stuff. Our body uses a massive amount of energy to do all of that stuff. So if you're depriving yourself and you're restricting, then your body's going to fight back. And that's where you might even see like the binge restrict cycle happening um, because you're mm-hmm. you're just depriving yourself of all of that food, but our body's like, no, no, we need more than this. So we are going to signal this person that we need food now. And it's usually when that happens, our bodies usually want something high in sugar, high in yeah. fat, because that has the most energy, you know, per calorie um, that our body loves and that our body needs. So you know, you find yourself sitting in the corner binging on a box of cookies or you're you're at the end of uh, the bag of chips and now you feel bad and you're like, yeah. hey, I'm going to be good now. Diet starting again tomorrow. And then the cycle just continues. So that's why intuitive eating is a lot more sustainable because you're tapping back into that natural intuition that your body has um, with eating. So would you say intuitive eating literally means eating when you're hungry and not eating when you're not (laughs) yeah I mean in a simple uh in a simple form yeah that's basically what it is in a nutshell (laughs) okay okay so I wanted to talk about um intuitive eating because I saw somebody saying the other day um you know so I think it was something about like, it wasn't, it wasn't you. It was, it was another person on, on social media who, who is also in the intuitive eating world. And they were just saying, you know, if you're craving a donut, have the donut, your body is probably craving sugar for a reason. So it really got me thinking and I didn't think about it in a negative way. I wasn't like, Oh my God, that's so stupid. Don't eat the donut. I was thinking, <laughs> well, what if you friggin' want a donut every day or every, you know, at every meal? So how, because I, I think that eating nutrient dense food is very important personally. So how do you distinguish between listening to cravings and focusing on what I would call healthy eating as in foods that are dense in nutrients and minerals? And, yeah. and you know, I said to you, I don't know if this is triggering for some people, but I truly can't imagine there's an argument to be made that a balanced quote in quotes diet, <laughs> what, what way of eating isn't important. So how do you, how do you approach that? Or how do you explain that to clients? Or, or how do you feel about that? Yes. So I feel like that's honestly one of the biggest misconceptions about intuitive eating Mm -hmm. is that, you know, you just allow yourself to eat all the (laughs) quote unquote, junk foods all day, every single day. But no, actually, one of the principles of intuitive eating is practicing gentle nutrition, which mm-hmm. means yes, still listen to your body, but also having that balance um, where you do include, you know, those micronutrients that we need in order for our body to function, like our fruits and our vegetables and, and all of that stuff. And I feel like, you know, nobody's going to feel good eating cake and chips and and pizza and all of this stuff all day, like all of that stuff is totally fine. But 
if you eat that stuff every single day, you're not, your body's not going to feel good. And that's the whole point of intuitive eating. Again, tapping into how your body is feeling and Mm. every experience is a learning experience as well. So if you eat that, you know, pizza or whatever, and it doesn't make you feel good, it's okay. We shouldn't feel guilty about it. Take that Mm. data that you got from that eating experience. And now now you know like how to adjust what you're eating in order to make your body feel its best. So now maybe instead of three slices of pizza, you have two or one, or you avoid the pizza completely because you don't like how it makes you feel. Mm. Like it's totally fine. Like everything is a feedback experience. Um, And I know for some people, depending on how long you've been dieting and how long you've been denying yourself stuff that you actually want, Sometimes there is that that little period of time where you are eating, you know, those forbidden foods, quote unquote, (laughs) (laughs) that you have uh, put yourself off limits to for so long, you might find yourself eating more of that stuff in the beginning. But eventually, that novelty of this food item is going to wear off and you're you're going to want to like, you know, crave you're going to crave a salad or want a smoothie Mm. or whatever it is that your body wants right um because our body knows hey fruits and vegetables are good for us so like maybe we should signal to (laughs) this person that that is what we want right now so Mm. over time when you fine-tune it and really really listen and tune in then your body kind of adjusts and things kind of even out over time so now you are having everything that you want and you're allowing yourself to have everything that you want but in a balance and there's no one way of balance balance is going to look different for everybody Mm -hmm. is is built differently so it's going to look different from person to person but yeah you eventually just get to this place where you're just you're just kind of happy you're just kind of cruising and right you're eating uh, the chips and enjoying your salad too. At the same right. Time. You're not demonizing. You're not demonizing any food, right? It sounds yeah, like. Yeah, because mm-hmm. when you put stuff off limits, I, like you kind of have that scarcity mindset around food. You know, I hear people saying all the time, oh my gosh, I can't buy those cookies. I can't have them in the house. I'm going to like go crazy on them. But that's not true. If you had the cookies around and you actually truly allowed yourself to have them, then you can just eat one or two cookies, satisfy your craving and move on because you know it is something that you can allow yourself to have the next time the craving strikes. You know, you're not ignoring that craving and denying yourself from that and then finding yourself binging on the whole box later on. Like you are mm-hmm. satisfied right then and there and then it gets shut down and then you just move on with the rest of your eating experience. Um, so yeah, it's not something that happens overnight again, but Um, you will eventually get to that place of that natural intuition. And yes, everybody has this natural intuition. It is not something you're, you're, some people are born with, or some people don't have, everybody has this natural uh, intuitive eating intuition with them. And so what do you say, Raquel, to, because I believe like, it's exactly what you said. Everybody is different and different things work for different people. So where, you know, intermittent fasting or um, go being in ketosis is labeled a diet, it could probably work. And I know it does work for certain people, right? Like I also don't like to push any form of diet or anything like that. Um, 
Does anybody come to you, you know, who, who is practicing a, like I'm use air quotes, a diet <laughs> that is working for them? Um, I don't know how to word this. I just, it's seen, I, you know. Yes, I think I know what you're trying to say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like I said earlier, there are some people who can do these diets and like totally like just few numbers and view tracking and all of this mm-hmm. stuff as like objective data that they use to, you know, identify certain things. And like, that's totally fine. Everybody is different. Right. But I feel like with these diets, it's like, you don't have to label it as a diet. You don't right. have to exactly. stick to one just certain how I category. Eat. Like mm-hmm. if you thrive off of keto, all that is telling you is that your body likes less carbs, higher fat. Yeah. But, you know, but then when you have this label on it, it's like, if you go outside that now you feel bad. Like if you're like super keto and like you're into the whole lifestyle and all that stuff, but one day like you kind of want pasta or you want bread. Now you're just going to feel bad. Whereas if you don't put a label on it and you just intuitively know, oh, my body likes this or, oh, that's interesting. My body's craving more carbs right now. Yeah. You know, it can all be related back to an intuitive eating experience. You don't have to put a label on that. Like, I know so many people who like went vegan because that was like a whole thing. (laughs) Still is. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, still is for sure. Um, I know so many people who went vegan and like they one day they like were just craving meat and Mm -hmm. they denied themselves of having that. And again, that just increases your chance of binging on whatever you've been denying yourself for so long. Right. Yeah. So I feel like we just need to get rid of the labels, get rid of, you know, mm-hmm. these diets, and just really start to tune into what our body is telling us. Cause that's all these diets are doing anyways. Like if you, if you try keto and it didn't work out, okay, just, that means your body just likes having more carbs. Like I know yes. I could never do keto ever 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 my body loves carbs like literally mm. half of my plate is carbs <laughs> and mm-hmm. I'm okay with that because that is what my body needs like that is how I feel the most clear the most focused um, I have the most energy so yeah I just don't feel the need to label something as okay a diet you know what I mean and mm-hmm. have yourself fit into, into that box so perfectly that if you have another craving now, it's just we're back in the cycle of demonizing food and this food is good and this food is bad. And mm-hmm, I feel, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. No, that makes total sense. And so where does the coach, where does the coaching come in, come in? I would imagine that the coaching would come in because people need guidance to know that it's okay. Is that sound about right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's one thing to really read about this stuff and like have all of this knowledge in your head. Mm. And then it's another thing to actually embody it. Like there's that Mm. gap between that knowledge and then actually like doing it. Right. (laughs) Right. It's like you could read this math textbook, but without the math teacher, like how are you going to kind of bridge the gap? And I know Mm. I said I brought myself out of that, but I feel like that was hugely in part due to my personality as well and just how my brain works and I know for a lot of people out there like information overload can be so overwhelming 
you know, you, you're reading all this info because there are so much things. There's like health at every size. There's intuitive eating. There's, <laughs> you know, there's there's so many different concepts and things and nuances and and all of this stuff that it can be overwhelming to a lot of people. And a lot of people just don't know where to start. Like there's no clear, okay, step one, you do this. Step two, you do this. Okay, step three, you do right. this. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There's no clear outline because it is all intuition. And that's why I say, you know, yeah, sure. Following a diet plan, following a meal plan is easier than this because it is just written out for you. It's just right. Okay. Mm. Follow this plan and like, you'll be fine. You'll be perfect. You'll be where you want to be. Like dieting is very linear. Do A to get to point B. But Mm. intuitive eating is a lot harder than that because it's, there's no really set guideline. You're just kind of tuning into literally what your body is telling you. You're trying to mm-hmm. tap into your body's natural intuition and there's no guide for that. So what I do is kind of give a loose framework to my clients and I kind of adjust that as, you know, the weeks go on mm. because life is always changing, right? And I feel like dieting doesn't really account for that. <laughs> dieting totally. is like, you don't care if you have a birthday party coming up, you are eating <laughs> broccoli and rice and chicken mm, for mm-hmm. your meal. Uh, but intuitive eating it just adapts with your lifestyle. So you don't have to deny yourself that birthday cake at your friend's birthday, or, you know, you don't have to avoid the buffet table at weddings. Like this is all stuff that people do. So many people avoid all of these events and stuff like that. Some people don't even go or they leave early yeah. from these events because they're afraid of the food that, you know, they might potentially eat and allow themselves and they're going to blow their diet. You know what I mean? So yes, intuitive eating is harder to do than traditional dieting. But in the end, it is so, so, so much more worth it because you're not just going to stick to this for three months, six months, and then it's done. Like this is literally something that you can stick to the rest of your life without hating yourself, without Mm -hmm. feeling like you failed, without hating the way your body looks and, and all of that negative just low vibrational you know headspace like intuitive eating just avoids all of that so that's why it is way more sustainable even though it is harder but it is a lot more worth it in the end amazing yeah okay that's a great way of putting it all thank you I feel your passion. (laughs) Yeah. So okay so that's wonderful so that's all about food and and eating um one thing that you help people with as well is finding movement that they love. And yes. I love this concept um, simply because I, I, and I've talked about this in the podcast before regarding movement is that before, you know, it was always like, you have to do an hour minimum of cardio or, you know, cardio, cardio, cardio. And then it was strength, strength, strength. And it was, kick your ass at the gym or you're not going to reap any benefits. And, um, in my, in my own journey, I've realized that, you know, low impact might be better for some people. High impact might be better for Mm -hmm. some people. So tell us like, what's your approach on this? And, and, um, well, yeah, there, there are a few things. Like, do you find that people, you, you work with people who don't like movement and in that case, what do you do? Or, 
Um, how do you just in general, how do you help people find movement that they love? <laughs> yeah. So I have yet to come across anybody who hates movement. Like Good. <laughs> walking is movement. Dancing yes. is movement. Like there are so many different ways you can get movement in. And I know a lot of people, when I mention this concept, they're like, well, like, if I try to intuitively move my body, then I'll never <laughs> want to exercise and I'll never want to, <laughs> I'll never want to move my body ever again. Um, but that's simply not true because, you know, if you've had that moment where like you've sat on the couch for a really long time and you're like, oh, like, I think I should, I feel like getting up right now. I feel like going for a walk or if you're at work and you're sitting at your desk all day and you're like maybe I should just go for a walk around the block clear my mind mm. those are examples of your body's natural movement intuition so what I do is there's no exercise plans or meal plans or anything like that with me it is literally all uh intuition and I'm guiding you to help you get back in touch with your intuition and the same goes for movement so I ask my clients, I'm like, okay, what movement do you actually like to do? Because most likely they would have tried, you know, a few things, especially, you know, caught up in the diet culture world, like you said, like the power of cardio and weights, and this is how movement <laughs> needs to look or else you failed or if you didn't sweat, it wasn't worth it. So a lot of the people that I work with have actually tried a lot of things already and um, they have a pretty good understanding of what they like, what they don't like. Um, the hardest part about it is just getting them out of that mindset that movement needs to look a certain way uh, when it doesn't. Um, it can look like whatever way is best for you because, you know, you don't want to be that person who is just dreading doing your workout. Like you wake up and you're like, oh, I have to do an hour of this again today and I have to do I don't know, insert whatever movement it is, you know, I have to do deadlifts and squats today. Like that's a whole huge thing right now. Like, and I know people who hate squats, they hate lunges, they hate like all of that stuff, but they've been forcing themselves to do it. Um, so that is again, like impacting the sustainability of what you're doing, because if you hate what you're doing, eventually you're going to reach a point where you're just done. And like now exercise is completely out the window and you're not doing anything to move your body because you feel like crap now that you like quote unquote failed this exercise plan and this exercise routine um, and you're doing the movements that you think you should be doing instead of you know the exercises and types of movement that you actually want to be doing like the mm -hmm. whole key to making this sustainable and intuitive is tapping into what you actually enjoy doing like if you like walking cool go outside 30 minute walk <laughs> you know every day or however whatever fits into your schedule too that's that's a thing um i feel like people get so exhausted trying to like wake up super early before their shift and like get an hour in at the gym and then go do whatever job it is. Um, a few of my clients I've worked with are nurses and they are doing 12 hour days mm -hmm. and they would wake up super, super early before their shift, go to the gym and then go to their 12 hour shift where they're standing and walking for like pretty much the majority of their shift. Right. And then they come home and they're exhausted and, now they have low energy and they're tired and eventually it's just going to reach a point where you don't want to do that anymore. So that's why it is so important to intuitively move your body 
And it was actually crazy because I heard uh, one of my clients, she went to the doctor and um, the doctor was obviously like, oh, you need to lose weight and blah, 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 blah. Even though she was like perfectly healthy, like <laughs> no, no health conditions. Like she was, she was perfectly healthy. Right. Um, but you know, the doctors, they just see your size and they're like, you need to lose weight. <laughs> and, and mm-hmm. that's the end of that. Uh, but her doctor was like, oh yeah, uh, your movement at work doesn't count. And I was like, what? Mm. <laughs> I was like, so our body just doesn't know that it's moving between this time and this time that we're at work. Like, how does that make sense? <laughs> like, and I feel like a lot of people discount that too. Natural movement that we do throughout the day, like the movement that we get in at work, if we garden, cleaning, cleaning is a huge, like, you know, totally. thing especially if you're like OCD with the cleaning, like I am, like you are breaking a sweat when you mm-hmm, are cleaning mm-hmm. um, or walking your dog. Like these things are all natural movement that I feel like a lot of people don't consider in their day um, or even the method of how you get to work. Like if you're a person that bikes to work and back, like that is all natural movement. But just because it's not an hour gym session, a lot of people out there think that it's not worth it and they didn't get, you know, exercise in for the day when that's not true at all. Like, and don't Mm -hmm. get me wrong. If you like going to the gym, do you go to the gym, live your best life? (laughs) That is the whole point is to find something that you love. And if the gym is your thing, cool. But I know there's so many people out there who have just developed so much trauma and just, they have such a negative experience with exercise and the gym and, and all of that stuff. So if you don't like going to the gym, you don't have to do it. Like I said, do what you love. If you want to like put on a song and have like a dance party with yourself for a little bit, then do that. Or what I like to do sometimes is I don't want to think about it. So I put on a YouTube video and just like kind of follow along. And that's Mm -hmm. my movement for the day, you know, because it's getting colder outside and (laughs) people don't want to do outdoor activities right now. But there's so many things you can do inside of your own house that you actually want to do and you don't have to force to do um but also with the intuition is also the practicality of it like looking at how much time you have throughout the day to dedicate to it um do you have like 20 minutes 30 minutes um life factors like there's so many different ways uh to kind of loosely schedule it in even though it is intuitive it needs to work with your life too so that's what I work uh with my clients on as well I'm like okay how much time do you actually have during your week to dedicate to that and also I look at energy levels as well like when do you have the most energy in your day like when you wake up like are you a morning person and are you good to like smash out your workout in the morning or get in whatever movement it is that you want to do in the morning? Are you more of an afternoon or evening person? All of these things um, you need to take that into account too, because you know, um, during those times when you're low energy, like if you just had an exhausting shift and you come home, like the last thing you want to do is like get in movement and like, that's okay. There's going to be some days where you're just not feeling movement and that's fine Mm -hmm. you don't have to stick to like six day a week super intense exercise schedule like it can work with your life and work around Mm -hmm. with you know how you already live right so so yeah exactly that doing doing a form of movement that you enjoy that's going to fit into your lifestyle 
and yes. when it when it's going to work best for you. Yeah, I love yeah. it. So it's, not, Amazing. it's not a it's not a strict exercise plan or everything, mm. but again, like, it's a practical thing like that we need to take into account. Even with intuitive eating, a lot of people debate, oh, is meal prepping like intuitive because. I'm not really listening to my body in the moment because I've made this meal ahead of time. You know what I mean? (laughs) That might be overthinking things. That's not intuitive. It's true. People people think that because it's like the, the whole point of intuitive eating is before you eat, checking in with yourself. Okay, what do I want? What am I feeling for? What would actually satisfy me right now? So a lot of people think that meal prepping is not intuitive because you're making your meals ahead of time, but it's it's also the practicality of it all. And yeah. it goes both with intuitive eating and intuitive movement too. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Amazing. So that's fantastic. <laughs> and so body acceptance and confidence. Yes. I mean, I imagine that that is uh, huge part. a big, 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 <laughs> yes, <laughs> a, a huge, a huge area of concern or, or a topic that um, people will come to you about, I would think. How do you, well, do you, and if so, how do you help people with this? Yeah. So these things usually go hand in hand, right? Like Mm. if you're dieting, if you want to change your body, if you want to improve your health, like people are usually unsatisfied with who they are in the present moment. And it's actually Mm -hmm. a highly anxious habit to be living in the future and living in the past, you know, because we have, what does that mean? Like, you know, when you look back at photos of yourself, like mm. 10 years ago, and you're like, oh, my God, I wish I had oh, yeah. that I had when I was, you know, you know, so that's living in the past. And mm. you can also live in the future. You know, if you have those, quote unquote, skinny clothes in your closet, and you're like, oh, when mm. I'm X amount of weight, then I can fit into this. And when I reach this goal weight, then I'll be happy, then I'll be confident. And Mm. we kind of are stuck in living in the past or the future, you know, depending on who you are, like you could be living in both at the same time. Right. (laughs) But it's a highly anxious habit to have. And what I think a lot of people miss is just focusing on the present, the present moment, because confidence doesn't come with a size. Like when you look up the definition of confidence, there's no weight tied to it at all. And if confidence came with a size, you know, I am not in a larger body at all. I recognize that. Mm-hmm. But when I was in, you know, the height of my diet culture life, I hated the way that I looked. Like I would look in the mirror, literally. I didn't count, but it was probably about 20 times a day, just knitting certain areas of my body that I wanted to change. And even when I made progress on my journey, my weight loss journey and my bikini competitor fantasy journey, it was never enough. And the pursuit of what I was doing, I feel like just it would have been never ending. Like no matter what I would have done, it would have never 
been enough. And that's what people need to realize. Like you don't have to wait until you are a certain size to start being this confident version of yourself because you are so much more than your body. Like your bodies, mm. our bodies are the least interesting thing about us. <laughs> like we are so much more than that. We are. And that's the thing I tell people too. We need to step back and look at us as a whole like our whole person not just how our body looks because you know at the end of the day as morbid as it sounds nobody's going to be sitting there at your funeral being like oh my gosh I loved her so much she was a size double zero (laughs) it was just fabulous like nobody's going to say that they're going to be like this person was caring this person was genuine this person was you know like a great friend that's the things that people are going to say about you in the end and I know it's hard you know in in the present moment because our society is so focused on appearance and so focused on how we look but that's why it's so important to take that step back and look at yourself um and in a bigger picture perspective and um, we should we should all just focus more on being better people at the end of the day than mm-hmm. you know, how our body looks because that is truly so insignificant <laughs> at the end of the day. Um, what also works for a lot of people is body neutrality. Um, you know, there's body positivity, body neutrality. A lot of people like to take a more body neutral approach to their bodies. Um, just body neutrality is focusing more on what your body can do for you what your body has done for you Um, it's more coming from a place of respect and gratitude recognizing that even though if you're having a bad body image day today that doesn't mean you need to deprive your body from you know eating those balanced meals or getting in movement or getting in hydration or feeding yourself love like just because you're having you know a bad body image day Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you're feeling the best about yourself and that's why a lot of people like to take a more neutral approach uh, because body positivity a lot of people find there's that emphasis on absolutely loving yourself every single day and that's just not realistic for a lot of people mm-hmm. out there. Like, you know I still wake up and have bad body image days uh, but I don't let it bring me down and I don't let it pull me back into that cycle of dieting and that's the whole key and why I do what I do I give my clients those tools so when those moments come up they can they can pull themselves out of it or not even let it affect them because they know mm-hmm. that it's really such like focusing on their body is just such an insignificant thing at the end of the day um Well, I imagine once you get people, um, once you get people's focus away from diet culture and they're not as concerned maybe with, with that whole diet culture, that could, I, I feel like that would go hand in hand with accepting yourself a little bit more because you're not so focused on being skinny or, you know, I don't know, having a six pack or yeah whatever it is okay yeah you would be surprised on how much brain space that you use thinking about dieting and changing your body like it it's literally it takes up so much of your of your mind and your time and when you break out of that you 
just have so much more room to to do the things and to think Mm. about the things that actually matter to focus on your relationships if you want to start that business start that business because now you actually have that clear focus to think about it you're not worrying about um if your lunch fits your macros and if people are looking at you a certain way when you're sitting down and you're not worried about okay this today I need to focus on legs and then this I need to do this and I have to meal prep for this like it's just you're not focusing on on all all of that stuff so you can truly start to live a much more full life okay I want to um I want to just briefly touch on something that um, I heard you, I heard you say, I listened to another po- a podcast that you had done that was uh, with oh a couple gosh. of gals. And, and one thing that, yeah, one thing that you said was um, when you first were sort of starting on this journey and, and your new path was that you uh, discovered fat allyship. And I was yes. like, what the hell is that? So I just want to talk about that really quickly um, before we wrap up, tell us a little bit about that. Yes. yes. So fat. And Alex- especially Raquel, like I do have to mention too, like, like you said, you're living in a, what people would consider to be a smaller body. So what even attracted you to fat allyship? <laughs> tell us what it is and, and you know, yeah. What drew you to it? Yeah. Well, I mean, my mom is in a larger body. I have friends who are in larger bodies and, I'm just an empath. So Mm. I want to be able to like make these people feel as comfortable as I can, you know, not comment on their weight and appearance because I don't, I'm not friends with them for that reason. You know, I don't love my mom or don't or hate my mom (laughs) because she's a certain size. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I just kind of started to learn about fat allyship and that's really just working with and uh, talking, you know, about, fatness, uh, just trying to push the agenda towards uh, fat acceptance. Because right now in society, people in larger bodies are more ostracized, they're more stereotyped against like, people talk down about people in larger bodies, all the time, because unfortunately, that's the norm. So Mm. allyship is for people who are not in larger bodies, but for people in quote unquote, normal bodies, they call it straight sized, straight Mm -hmm, sized mm -hmm. bodies. (laughs) So it's for people who are in straight sized bodies to really help uh, people who are in larger bodies kind of just feel more accepted and comfortable around you and all of that stuff because thin privilege is a thing. Like it's mm-hmm. one thing to have, it's one thing to have fat on your body and then it's another thing to actually live a fat existence. Mm-hmm. Like for example, I don't have to worry about you know when I'm on an airplane and traveling. I don't have to worry about fitting in the seat that I'm flying on. Mm-hmm. I don't have to worry about you know going. Somewhere and they have a chair that can accommodate me, like going to a restaurant or going even to a friend's house or somebody you just met and you're going to their house for the first time. Like these are the things that we as thinner people don't have to deal with and we don't have to think about. Okay. Mm. That allyship is all about creating that more inclusive space and just really working with you know, people in larger bodies to make them feel comfortable and really just try to push the agenda overall in society um, for fat acceptance and stopping the stereotype that fat people are lazy, fat people are, you know, 
always eating and like all of those negative stereotypes um, because that's not true at all. I could talk about that. Do you know Tess Holiday? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like she would be a very big advocate for that. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. (laughs) I just, yeah. Okay. Okay. No, that's perfect. And, uh, and I love it. Right. Because it is all about, well, everything is about inclusivity and inclusiveness and whether that's regarding friggin' size, race, culture, whatever yeah, it is. Disability, right? anything. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay, beautiful. Oh my God. Yay. Well, this was very <laughs> eye-opening, as I hoped it would be, Raquel. Yeah. I really appreciate it. I love um I love your attitude and and uh and kind of how how chill you are and obviously how accepting you are of everybody. I love it. So the last, the last question of the podcast, I always do. I ask people, what is one of your favorite things that you do for self-care? Yes. Oh, there's so many things. I can't just pick one. <laughs> you got to pick one. Uh, uh, oh my gosh. <laughs> it can be anything. We've had a lot of different answers yes. on this. Honestly, time with friends is something super important to me and I need it pretty much every single day of the week. Mm. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. My friends are my life. Honestly, I'm not like super close with my family or anything like that. So I heavily, heavily, heavily lean on my friends. And uh, we were talking about this before we started, you know, this whole recording, but I, take on people's energies so easily and sometimes I have that harder time deciphering my thoughts from the thoughts of other people that I've been with around the day and my friends are such a good sounding board (laughs) to like talk to and to work out what I'm feeling um and I just have a lot of love to give like love is just I just love love (laughs) same here (laughs) my friends are just so important so I need that friend time in my day to keep myself even positive. I'm lucky to have friends who are super positive, you know, super supporting, super understanding. Mm. And, and I just need that. I love being around that type of energy. So they really do fill up my cup. So that is definitely my favorite self-care. Self-care for, I love that answer. That is definitely the first time that we've heard that answer, but what a, what a fantastic way to, to even look at, at, as, as if that's something to do for self-care and it totally is like, I just saw a lot, a lot of old friends when I went out, out West on my trip and you're right. Like that is self-care. It made me friggin' filled my cup. Like nobody's yeah. to overflow. I yeah. love it. Great answer, Raquel. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So where can, where can people find you if they want to work with your, you, or if they just want to follow you and, and, uh, you know, follow your message. Yeah. So I'm most active on Instagram. You can find me there at Raquel Chris, R-A-C-Q-U-E-L-C-H-R-I-S. That is where I be all of the time. (laughs) Or you can shoot me an email info at thefitrack.com, rack spelt R-A-C. And yeah, you can just shoot me a DM, shoot me an email, like we can chat. There's for sure this is a 
environment. It is a welcoming environment and I welcome all. So yeah. Wonderful. Thank you. And I will attach all of those in the show notes. And uh, I can't thank you enough for Cal. I really appreciate it. And I think that this is going to be an episode that is going to intrigue a lot of listeners. So thank you so much for your time today. No, thank you so much for having me. This was awesome. My pleasure. We'll talk to you soon. Yes. All right. See ya. Hi, friends. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast and you were able to gain some new insight and knowledge into wellness. The goal here is to develop healthy habits for long-term success in health and happiness. Speaking of health and happiness, if you're feeling like you're not living in the body you should be, reach out to me. Work with me to transform your energy, reduce inflammation, shed pounds, sleep better, and feel damn good. My 12-week one-on-one program is available now. Email me at amberpatchla, A-M-B-E-R-P-A-C-H-L-A at yahoo.ca to book your free 45-minute consultation and see if we are the right fit. I love helping others, and I know I can help you if you're ready. If you enjoy the podcast, it would mean so much to me if you could subscribe and follow and leave a review on iTunes. Sharing on Instagram and Facebook also is immensely appreciated. Let's continue our shift into wellness, support each other along the way, and be the best we can be from the inside out.